Colossians, <coughs> Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 14. In fact, for the sake of context, I'll try to start from the uh, ninth verse. It says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you, you, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So you were dead because of your sins. Okay. So the Bible here is describing the kind of death uh, in which we, we were. Uh, we were dead because of our sins and because um, our sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made us alive with Christ, for He gave, for He gave all our for for He forgave all of our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So what Jesus did was to cancel the record of sin, to cancel the death, the death penalty that we owed sin. So he came to suffer on our behalf. And here the Bible declares that any charge that was uh, recorded against us, you know, was cancelled. He took it upon himself and he nailed it upon the cross. So this charge is no longer upon each and every one of us who has accepted Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Because Jesus took it away from us and he nailed it on the cross. The Bible is very categorical and clear. It says he cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing to the cross. So Jesus died as our substitute so that the sin which Adam and the entire human race was supposed to, uh, to, to, to face and pay, uh, the same was paid by Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible says in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 53 that it pleased the Lord. It pleased the Lord to bruise Christ Jesus. Let's just turn to that portion of scripture and see what uh, the Bible uh, tells us. Uh, in Isaiah chapter uh, uh, Isaiah 53, uh, starting reading from verses, uh, I'll start reading from verse 1. The Bible says, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up like a tender shoot, and like a root out of a parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, no appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we, we, did, esti we, we, and we did not esteem him. Uh, verse 4 says, Surely our griefs he, he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. Okay, so the Bible says, by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. By his scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us to fall on him. 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is laid to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before his shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his, his generation, who considered that, that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people, to whom uh, the stroke was due? His grave was assigned with the wicked men, yet he was yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence and was there and no was there deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilty offering, he will see his offering, he will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Before, therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. So this is a picture of a Savior, the picture of what Jesus went through in order to redeem us from that case of the law. So Jesus went through all this um, painful experience so that he can redeem us, so that he can save us from our sins. And this pleased the Lord. Why? Because Jesus was like a seed through the death of one man. The Bible says that uh, a lot more have been redeemed. But you know, look at what Jesus experienced. It was so painful. It was so gruelly a death. It was so nasty. It was so bad in the eyes of men that they hid their faces from him. But he did this not because he was a guilty himself, but because you and me needed somebody to come and rescue us. The promise that God made in the book of Genesis chapter 3, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, is now being actualized in Isaiah 53. This is what Jesus was going to pass through as the enemy, you know, bruises his, uh, his, his, his I mean, as the enemy crushes his heel, you know. The enemy tried to destroy Jesus, he tried to, inflict the worst pain possible upon his life. But Jesus was able to endure all this pain because of the love that he has for you and me. He desires that no one should perish. He desires that nobody should be saved. No wonder he was afflicted. No wonder he, uh, he, 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 he bore our griefs. No wonder he carried our sorrows, you know, so that we can not experience what he experienced. In verse 6, the Bible says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each, 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 each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon Jesus Christ. So God took the sins of the entire world and heaped it upon Jesus Christ. And Jesus bore the sins of the entire world so that the world can be delivered. Because God wants to restore us. God wants to take us back. To the original plan that you know we talked about earlier he wants to restore everything to goodness he wants to eradicate the power of sin and for sure god has done it in certainty has done it 
you know without any hint of doubt uh, by you know subjecting Christ to death even death on the cross and by virtue of the actions of Jesus Christ uh, ladies and gentlemen we have been forgiven of our sins all we need to do is not to repeat the mistake that Adam made when he was being called by the Lord you know <clears throat> when he said you know the Lord was seeking him out the Lord was calling him but he was hiding himself away from the Lord we shouldn't repeat the same mistake God is calling you and me through uh, this broadcasting he wants you to respond to his call and he has made this call through Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection you know he has secured our salvation he has secured our pardon the best we can do is to take advantage of what God has done to secure our forgiveness the Bible says through the, the blood of Jesus Christ we have forgiveness of our sins so Jesus's sacrifice on the cross has secured our fellowship with God you know because when we believe in Jesus the Bible says we are born again not of the husband's will but we are born of the will of the Lord okay when we believe in Jesus Christ God gives us a new identity he gives us a new nature we are no longer sons of disobedience we no longer have the nature of Satan you know but God gives us a nature that is after himself he gives us a nature that is God loving he gives us a nature that is not you know uh, opposed to the things of God he gives us a nature that gravitates towards God he gives us a nature that loves the things of God and today God is giving you an opportunity to respond positively to this invitation that is making through this this um, um, this broadcast today and I want to encourage you not to resist him not to say no to the word that the Lord is putting across to you today he's inviting you to himself he wants to wash away your sins so that your names can be written in the lamb's book of life that's the desire of god for your life and my life he wants to restore you he wants you to qualify you to be a partaker of the kingdom of god because whoever believes in christ jesus the bible says they are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son the kingdom of our lord jesus christ so we see um in colossians uh, the same colossians that we read earlier now in verses um in verse 12 um uh, in fact for for the sake of context we are going to start reading from uh verse 12 we saw in the ESV version of the Bible says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the, from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Dear listeners, this is what God has done. This is what God intends to do for each and everybody of us who is willing to say yes to Jesus today. What God wants to do to your life is to translate you from the kingdom of darkness, from the realm where the devil has got total control over your life, to the realm where God and the Holy Spirit can preside over your life. Because God desires you, God wants you, and he has already done what is supposed to be done from his point of view. All that remains is for you to respond in faith. When you respond in faith to this call, 
God is more than ready to restore you. God, God is more than ready to forgive you. God is more than ready to chase the enemy out of your life and to give you the newness of life. God, God wants to give you a new life. So you may be asking a question right now. What must I do? What should I do to be saved? Simple. What you need to do to be saved is to believe in the complete work of Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It is as simple as that. In the account of uh, in the book of Acts chapter uh, 16, we see an account of somebody um, who was uh, a jailer, somebody who was taking custody of the prison. And it happened that um, the, the, the jailer had an encounter with you know the work of God. You know through um, uh, Paul and Silas you know and this gentleman had a very precise uh, question that he wanted to fi find out from uh, Paul uh, uh, and Silas he wanted to know the way of salvation and um, we find a very interesting uh, response from uh, uh, Paul and Silas all right so we going to read from um, we're going to read from um, um, verse 28 the Bible says but Paul cried with a loud voice saying do thyself no harm for we are all here then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down uh, before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? This is a simple and straightforward question. And it, it really attracted a simple and straightforward answer from, from Paul and Silas. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your, and your house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized and and uh, he and all his straightway or all his uh, or the entire household that was in the house of the jailer. So we see the way of salvation is not a difficult one because Jesus has accomplished the most difficult part of it. He has gone to the cross. He has secured salvation for us. And here we are. Uh, the only thing that we need to do is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. With our hearts we believe and with our mouth we confess that Jesus is Lord. And then that's how we secure our salvation. And that aspect also is confirmed in the book of Romans. The book of Romans chapter 10 tells us the same concerning the way of salvation. Okay, so we are going to read the book of Romans, chapter Romans chapter ten, so that we just um, uh, see what the Bible says holistically concerning uh, the way uh, the way of salvation. <clears throat> okay, so from verses ten, the Bible says, "For with the heart a person believes, resulting." Okay, I'll start reading from verse uh, um, verse eight. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. 
that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So there are two simple things that you and me need to do in order to secure salvation. Firstly, we have to believe in our hearts. Once we believe in our house, our, in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, this results in righteousness. And with the mouth, when we confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ, this results in salvation. So the scripture, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will never be disappointed. He will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a good news. This is something very fantastic, something precious, something that is good news to the soul, good news to the sinner, you know. Very simple, very precise, straight to the point. Whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will not be disappointed. They will get their heart's desire. They will not be chased away, regardless of what they are experiencing, regardless of what they have done in the past. The sins of the past will not be accounted to them. The sins of the past will not be used against them because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 17, that if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So, dear uh, listeners, I want to encourage you today that uh, the best thing that you can do for your life today is to surrender it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Once you do that, the Bible tells us that God is going to delete all the sins. It's going to wipe away all your sins. He's going to give you a new uh, nature and he's going to write your names in the book of life. You're, 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 the, the Lord will not be ashamed of you when he comes again you know, to judge the living and the dead. He will embrace you. He will welcome you. He will not be ashamed of you in any way because Jesus said in, his, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels that whoever is ashamed of him in this life, the same, you know, when the Lord comes, you know, the Lord will be ashamed of him in the presence of his angels. So the best thing that we can do today is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If today you can accept the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you can believe that God sent him here to die for your sins, that God raised him from the dead on the third day, that he ascended and right now that he is seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, Indeed, your life will be transformed. Your, your, your nature is going to be changed. And God is going to give you a new nature. And that is a nature of sonship. A nature of sonship. God will not be ashamed to call you his child. Because in the book of John, as we conclude, John chapter, John chapter 1, verse, verse, verses 12. John chapter 1. Verse, verse 12, the Bible says, But as many as did receive and will come him, he gave the authority, power, 
privilege, right to become the children of God. And that is to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. Dear listeners, this is the word of the Lord. It is a word that will never perish. It is the word that will never return uh, to him void. It is a word that is trustworthy. It is a word that you can bank on any day of your life. And when you believe in this word, Jesus will come down into your heart and dine with you through the power of the Holy Spirit and change your nature and give you a new identity. So as we wind up our broadcasting today, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I encourage you wherever you are, it can be in a car, it can be in a house, it can be in your hotel room, it can be in the lodge. You can just pray this prayer after me. Let this be a prayer prayed from the depth of your heart. And I believe that as you surrender you know, your life to Jesus Christ, Jesus will not despise you. Jesus will not you know, disregard you. Jesus is going to forgive you of all of your, of your sins and give you a new nature and write your name in the Lamb's book of life. So let's, let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful. We thank you for everybody who has tuned into this broadcast today. Thank you, Lord, for you know them. You know everything about them. And I pray for them, Father. May you make right everything that is wrong in their lives. I pray that everybody who has surrendered their lives, their hearts to you, I pray that you forgive their sins. I pray the Lord, you give them a new nature. I pray that, Lord, you wipe away all their sins and give the mighty God a new beginning. The Bible tells me, Lord, that... Uh, Whoever, you know, is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, all things have become new. I pray for a new beginning, mighty God, for my dear sister, for my brother, for uh, an uncle out there uh, who is you know, struggling, mighty God, in one area of life or another. We pray for them, mighty God, that there will be total deliverance. Make right everything that is wrong. I pray that, Father, there will be a turnaround. I pray that, mighty God, there will be transformation in their life. And from today onwards, Father, they will be totally different in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray with thanks in our hearts. Amen. So, dear listeners, it's been wonderful interacting with you on this radio program. If you want to get um, uh, in touch with us, feel free to get in touch with us on the on the following number, 9 Seven seven forty forty nine one six zero nine seven seven forty forty nine one six. Once again, this has been Brother Philemon sharing with you this wonderful exhortation on Lubuto Radio Program on Falls FM. Until next time, Shalom. God bless you. Good day, our listeners. Thank you for joining us uh, on Force FM. This is Luwoto Radio Show. And to take you through our program today, this is your brother and friend, Philemon Daka. And we are going to look at uh, a very crucial topic today. And the topic is, who is who in hell? Who is who in hell? Every human being on the earth will have to face eternity one day. When a person dies, he is not dead like a dog or like some kind of animal. No, when a person dies, he faces eternity. The righteous enter into life eternal. Uh, Matthew 25 verse 46 tells us so. And the unrighteous 
are cast into hell or the lake of fire, according to Revelations, Revelations chapter 20, verse 15. The lake of fire is the final dwelling place for the unrighteous, for those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelations 20, 20 verse 15 tells us so. We should thank God for the revelation, for the revelation His Word gives us concerning heaven because those of us who have accepted the lord jesus christ as savior and have been born again are going there one day we are heaven bound if we are in christ the revelation concerning heaven is good news but we should also thank god for the revelation his word gives us concerning hell those who do not know jesus are not heaven bound and we as christians need to reach these people with the gospel and let them know there is heaven to gain and the hell to shun. Because when people who are unsaved die and leave this world, they go to hell. The Bible gives us some detail about hell in the Gospel of Mark. So we are going to read Mark chapter 9 verse 43 to verse 44. It reads as follows. And if, they, and if they, thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that, n that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. We see here that hell is a place of unquenchable fire. Notice that verse 43 says, If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. We know, of course, this, this verse is not talking about cutting off your natural hand. It simply means there are some things in life that a person needs to cut off or give up. For instance, it would be better for a person to accept Jesus Christ and give up his life of sin and go to heaven than it would be for him to reject Jesus, hold on to his sin and go to hell, where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. We also know that hell is a place of everlasting punishment. Matthew 25 verse 46 tells us this, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. In many Bible places, in, the, in, in many places in the Bible, we can read about what hell is like, but the Bible also gives us some detail about the kinds of people who go there. In Psalm chapter 9 verse 17, the Bible reads, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Notice this verse, this verse says, the wicked shall be turned into hell. Most people would agree that there ought to be an eternal dwelling place for those who are wicked and, and mean. And there is, I'm sorry to say that, there have been many wicked and mean people who have lived on this earth, whose eternal dwelling place is hell. The Bible says the wicked or the unredeemed go to hell. Psalm 9 verse 17. You see, unless a person is born again, whether he acts wickedly on this earth or not, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 verse 3 tells us that. So we know from the Bible that the wicked go to, to hell. But the rest of Psalm 9 verse 17 says, And all the nations that forget God. You see, you don't have to be wicked to miss heaven and go to hell. All you have to do is fail to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and forget Him. All you have to do is to leave God out of your life. 
just leave God out and neglect to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and you will go to hell just as quickly as the worst wretch that ever walked the streets of your, of your city. On the other hand, by accepting Jesus Christ, even the worst sinner can be born again and miss hell and make heaven his home. There is a book which lists people in the English-speaking world who have achieved a certain degree of prominency in the arts and science, in business, and in the professions. Sometimes it's interesting to know who is who in this life. But the Bible also gives us a who is who in hell, so to speak. For instance, it lists some of the unredeemed who will spend eternity in hell. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 8, the Bible says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and warmongers and sorcerers, idolaters and liars and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. This scripture gives us a list of the kinds of unsaved people who will go to hell. We know that those who practice sin do not know the Lord. 1 John chapter 3, verse 6 to 8. And the Bible says, Without knowing Jesus Christ as, sa as Savior and Lord, no man can see God. John chapter 3, verse 3, and also John chapter 14, verse 6 tells us that. But a person needs, need never go to hell if he will just do what the Bible says and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Bible says those who accept Jesus Christ go to heaven or into life eternal. But those who do not accept Jesus Christ will go into eternal torments and punishment. Matthew 25 verse 46 and Luke 16 verse 23 tells us that. So we can learn from the Bible about some of the kinds of people who go to hell. In Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 23, the Bible says, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores and desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he, the rich man, lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. The rich man in this passage of scripture didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he was not rich towards God. He left God out of his life and didn't acknowledge him as the author of eternal life. We read in Luke chapter 16 verse 19 to 21 that the rich man was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. While the beggar Lazarus was laid at his gate full of souls, desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. The Bible says Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom um, paradise where he was comforted. But the rich man went to hell where the Bible says he lifted up his eyes being in torments. So we know from the Bible that there are those people like this rich man who are tormented in hell today because they did not acknowledge God in their lives.
they did not acknowledge God in their lives. Then there is another kind of person who the Bible says will spend eternity in hell. We shall see that in Matthew 25 from verse 1 to, to 13. The Bible says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lambs and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. Where the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lambs. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lambs are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Many people have read this parable. And I've tried to build a doctrine out of it. But you can't build a doctrine on a parable. Usually in a parable, there's one many truth the Lord is trying to get over to us. In this passage, is found in verse 10. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. The main truth the Lord wants us to get out of this, these verses is to be ready for heaven as our eternal destination, as our eternal dwelling place. This passage of scripture He's simply talking about being ready. Ready for what? Ready to meet the master. In this passage, there were ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. The five foolish virgins weren't bad people. No, they were virgins. They were clean and wholesome. But they, but they just weren't ready no, to meet the bridegroom. And the Bible says, he, the bridegroom, answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. We know that there are people in hell today who are good people, but who just weren't ready to meet the master. They never accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord. Then there are people in hell, like the rich man in Luke chapter 16, who behaved wickedly and left God out of their lives. The Bible also says the fool will be cast into hell. In Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 20, the Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will put down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my, my goods. And I will say to my soul, So thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But, but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be, which 
thou hast provided. There ain't too many people in the Bible that God called a fool. But you remember in the Old Testament, God says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. That is in Psalm 14 verse 1. God calls the man who says there is no God a fool. And God called the farmer in this parable a fool. So this farmer's ground brought forth much fruit. So much fruit that he didn't have any more space to store all of his goods. This foolish farmer said, this will I do. I will put down my barns and build greater. And there will, and there will I bestow all my fruits and goods. According to Luke chapter 12 verse 18. So he built even greater barns. Then this foolish farmer said to himself, So, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. According to Luke chapter 12 verse 19. That's the attitude of many in the world today. Folks are laying up treasures for themselves upon the earth. And in effect, they are saying, Eat, drink, and be merry. Just enjoy the pleasures of life today and don't think about tomorrow. People like that take no thought whatsoever about eternal things. But God said to this farmer, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Okay, so there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. When I was raised off, you know, when, you know Kenneth Hagin, one of the great um, preachers was raised off from uh, this, the sickbed. You know, he used to preach in the schoolyard and on the street corners, in the marketplace. You know, he would tell people, even if I, he, he didn't have a Bible, he would know there is such a place as hell. And he, and, and he had been there, actually, you know. And, uh, and he would tell the story to, to so many people. And, 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 and why it happened just over at, you know, um, at, at 405 North College Street, he would tell folks it was a Saturday night, you know, just as his grandpa's you know, clock struck at 7.30, his heart stopped beating, you know. He, he actually went to, to hell when, 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 he, when he collapsed, you know. And um, he, had, he had this experience uh, se se on several occasions where his, his life was almost gone and he experienced, he experienced hell. But God saved him because he cried out to God. He reached out to God. So it's, it's very important for everybody uh, who is living to, to, to look to God, for everybody who is living to remember God in their lives. Because if we don't remember God in our lives, there's something scary that awaits us. There's something scary that awaits everybody who has not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of, of, of their lives. Friends, there's, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shine. You may not be aware of hell today, but when you die, you will spend eternity in either heaven or hell. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will go to hell and spend eternity there in that place of torments and punishment. But God doesn't want anyone to spend eternity in hell. That's why he sent his son Jesus Christ, you know, into the world to die on the cross and be raised to life again for our redemption. 
So Jesus paid the price with his own blood so that we could be reconciled to God. And it's God's will that every man, woman, boy, and girl accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and be saved. In you know, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 4. Maybe we can uh, uh, read that particular uh, scripture so that we uh, just put uh, things into context. So we are going to turn our Bibles to First um, Timothy, First Timothy chapter two, uh, verse four. Very very important uh, uh, portion of, of of scripture, and we are going to uh, go through it together. Uh, in verse four, I'll read from um, the Amplified Version. Uh, the Bible says. Who wishes all men, in fact, for, for, for the sake of context, I'll, I'll start reading from verse 3. For such praying is good and is pleasing and acceptable to God our Savior. Who wishes all men to be saved and increasing to perceive and recognize and discern and know precisely and correctly the divine truth. So we see here, um, um, now Paul is telling us that uh, the desire that God has over humanity, over our lives, is that humanity may increase in the knowledge of God, that humanity may be saved, that humanity may, you know, have the correct uh, knowledge of the truth. That's what God desires of you and me. He wants us, he desires all people to be saved and to come to the serving knowledge of the truth, okay? God desires, God's will is that all men must and must come unto the knowledge of truth. He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And this, this particular broadcast is intended to achieve this purpose. Why are we broadcasting this um, uh, 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 message today? It's because we are, we, we are partnering with God. And what is God's desire? God's desire is that all men must come to the saving knowledge of Christ. That's what God desires. And we have seen in First Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 uh, that it's very clear. God doesn't want anybody, you know, to get, get lost. God doesn't want anybody, you know, to uh, go to destruction, to go to hell, you know. So we need to respond in faith. We need to respond in faith to the call of God. We need to respond uh, to the call of God. Okay, so we are here now imploring, imploring you to come to the saving knowledge to help us. Christ is there, you know, to save us. The, the Bible says, whoever comes to him, they shall by no means, you know, be cast away. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So believers, Christians, children of God, I want to talk about you for a little while. I want you to notice in God's word some facts about somebody who has given their lives to Jesus. The Bible says they are a new creation. The old stuff has passed away. Everything has become new. So everybody who is in Christ, number one, they are a child of God. They are a child of God. They don't need to go to hell. We have already seen the category of people that are going to, to go to hell. You know, the Bible has been very, very categorical. It has been very, 
very plain in, in describing the kinds of people that will not make it you know to, to, to heaven that will not make it to the presence of God in Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 the Bible has been very very categorical it says the fearful the unbelieving the abominable the murderers the warmongers the sorcerers the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So God doesn't want us to go that route. He doesn't want us to be in here. He doesn't want to, us to share, you know, in the destiny of Satan. He wants us to share uh, uh, in the destiny of Christ. Jesus says he desires that where he is, we can be also. That's the desire of Jesus Christ. He wants us to be where, um, where, where he is. So for, for, for every child of God, for every child of God, for somebody who has believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their story is different. The Bible says that um, they, we, are, we are children of God. For us who have accepted Jesus Christ, we are children of God. We are not partakers of hell. We are partakers of everlasting life. Okay? So... Um, uh, in, uh, in, in in John chapter 8, verse 44, the Bible says, Ye are of your father the devil. So those who do not b believe in Jesus Christ, they do not belong to Christ. They belong to the devil. Okay? They belong to the devil. But we who have believed in Jesus Christ, we are children of God. It is true that God is the creator of all mankind, but he is only the father of those who have been born again. So God is only the father of those who have been born again. I'm so glad I'm a new creature. I was only, you know, it was only about, I was only about, anyway, by then I was in grade 7 when I bumped into, 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 into a Bible, you know, in my father's house. And when I got hold of it, I read it from cover to cover. And I was so excited at the truth that I gleaned from the Bible. And from that time on, I committed you know, to obeying the truth of God's word. I dedicated my life to Jesus Christ and my life has never been the same again. So Jesus is ready, you know, to change your life. Jesus is ready to, today to help you, you know, become a partaker of this new life because he wants you to experience, you know, the newness of life. He wants you to experience the newness of life. So Paul calls man's spirit the inward man, okay, and he calls the body the outward man. Though our outward man perisheth, uh, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Second Corinthians chapter four verse uh, sixteen. In First Peter chapter three verse four, Peter calls this inner man, you know, the hidden man of the heart. Man's spirit is hidden to the physical eye. No person can see the real you. No one even knows what the, the, the real you looks like. People may think they see you, but they are only looking at the house you live in, your body, the outward man. They don't really see you. The real you, your inner man, is on the inside, looking out through the windows of your eyes. As well as you may know someone, you have never seen the real person inside. You only see the house he lives in. When that house in which he lives is decayed, the real man will still live on. His spirit man will never die. 
Jesus said about Lazarus, the beggar. Lazarus, the beggar died, and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Uh, the story that we read in Luke chapter 16, verse 22. It is this inward man who has become a new creature in Christ. He has come into the family of God. When a person trusts in Christ Jesus, they become a new creation. And what is recreated is this new man that is being that we are descri describing here. He becomes a child of God. He is in perfect union with the master. Okay, so when you give your life to Jesus, God recreates the inner you. You know, the hidden man of the heart is recreated after the nature of God. And at that moment, you cease to be a child of the enemy. You cease to be at loggerheads with God. At that moment, you become a child of the living God. Okay? So it is good to know uh, that you are, when you give your life to Jesus, you are one with God. You are one with God. The believer and Jesus are one. God's word declares, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Okay? He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. First Corinthians 6, verse 17. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. In John chapter 15, verse 5, as you look at a tree, you don't think of the branches as being separate from the rest of the tree. When you look at the tree and its branches, you see them as one, a single entity. In the same way, we are one with Christ. Our spirits are joined to him. Jesus is the head and we are his body. Okay, so we are. The Bible says when you give your life to Jesus, we are united with Jesus. We become one, one with him. And Jesus himself told us in John 15 verse 5 that he is the vine. And, you know, us who have believed in him are the branches. So we are part and parcel of his being. Okay? We are part and parcel of his being. You know? In, just, just like the branches are part and parcel of the, of, of the vine. You know? Just like, you know, the roots are part and parcel of the vine. Okay? The same applies to us. Once we believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are joined to him. Jesus is the head. And we are his body. Jesus is the head and we are his body. Okay? And you know, the Bible says that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, all things become possible. Okay? All things become possible. In Matthew 19 verse 26 and Mark chapter 10 verse 27, the Bible says with God all things are possible. With God all things are possible. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, all things become possible with you because you're believing in a God of possibilities. So everyone would readily agree that God can do all things. However, the same Bible that says all things are possible with God also says all things are possible to him that believeth. Mark 9 verse 23. The Bible says all things are possible to him that believeth. Okay? And the Bible says all things are possible with God. Okay, so God gives you the ability to do exploits, you know, here on earth. He gives you the ability to do great things, okay? So, we have to realize that uh, there are benefits that are there, that are accrued to us when we believe in Jesus Christ. We are able to enjoy heaven, you know. 
we have a heaven to gain and we have got a hell to shun okay we have a heaven to to gain and we have got a hell to shun so all things are possible to him that believes all things are possible to him that believes it helps us you know sometimes as we drive down the road to say that that, that allowed to ourselves you know so that it sinks into our systems you know it helps us you know if it helps me in particular you know when i'm facing a seemingly impossible situation to say aloud to myself all things are possible to him that believe and i believe okay so we have to recite this word to ourselves especially to us who has received jesus christ we have a heaven to gain and we have a hell to shun and we have got a victorious life to live here on earth and we have to take note also that the greater one lives in us now the greater one lives in us now as much as we are going to spend eternity with god in the life to come the bible says even as we live this life here on earth god himself has promised to be with us god himself has promised his presence to be with us okay in first john chapter 4 verse 4 the bible says you are of god little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world okay first john chapter 4 verse 4 ye are of god little children and have overcome and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world so this verse is true concerning you you may not be taking advantage of it but it is true concerning those that have believed in jesus christ as their lord and savior you can live a victorious life because god is in you you know god is 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 is, is helping you live a victorious life notice the phrase ye are of god there is another way of saying you are born of god john is saying the same thing paul said in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 if any man be in christ he is a new creature john is telling us that we are born of god that our spirits have been recreated or born again it's sad to say but many believers really do not know they have been born born of god in the new birth and have received eternal life they think eternal life is something they are going to have when they get to heaven many believers simply think they have received forgiveness of sins they have only been taught that their sins have been forgiven and that they must be very careful in their christian walk in order to remain justified before god they have never been taught that the nature of god resides in their spirits no one ever taught them that they are actually new creations in christ and because of their ignorance on this subject sin and satan continue to reign over them but when believers understand that the man on the inside the real man has been born again and is a new creation in christ jesus they can begin to live according to the power of the great one who lives in them then they can begin to rule over sin and satan in their lives instead of the devil ruling over them because of jesus might triumph over satan at the cross we too can live in triumph over the devil thank god greater is he that is in us than satan the god of this world the greater one is greater than the demons and evil spirits 
He is greater than sickness and greater than disease, and he lives in me. He lives in you. He that is in us is greater than any force we may come against. When John wrote about the greater one living inside us, he was writing to born-again, spirit-filled believers. I maintain that all born-again, spirit-filled believers have within them, ready for use, all the power and ability they will ever need to put them over. We are thoroughly prepared for any emergence that may come because the greater one is in us. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is in us. Jesus, who rose again from the dead when he died, he conquered death, conquered the cross. The great I am lives in us. What is, what an amazing story that is. You know, what, what good news that is to us. In Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says, For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So how many of us are conscious of the fact that God is dwelling in us? It sounds far-fetched, but what does this scripture mean if it doesn't mean what it says? Our natural minds may have a hard time grasping it, but the truth is the Bible emphatically declares that believers are the temple of the living God, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Notice First John 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he that is in you. No, greater is he that is in you. He, the Holy Spirit, is a divine personality, not just an influence or an impersonal being. Jesus says, said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he, the Holy Spirit, may abide with you forever. Okay? According to John chapter 14, verse 16, And God the Father, in the person and power of the Holy Ghost, indwells us. He lives in us. It is time for the church to become God-insight-minded. For too long, the church has been weakness-minded, sickness-minded, inferiority-minded, trouble-minded, and poverty-minded. Do you realize what we have done? Often we have been so negative-minded that um, so negative-minded that that is all we have minded. For too long, the negative side of life is all many of us have thought about and talked about. This negative thinking has created a very serious condition of doubt and belief and spiritual failure in the church and in the believer. The church has operated more or less on psychology of unbelief, which has robbed believers of vibrant Christian faith and living. It has robbed us of the abundant life Jesus intended us to have. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John 10 verse 10. So when we really understand that life, that the life giver indwells us, that Jesus, the author of all life, condescended to come down and live in us in the person and in the power of the Holy Ghost, then our very being will radiate God's life. So we must become life-minded, not death-minded. The Bible says God has given to us eternal life 
and this life is in his son this life is in his son jesus christ first john chapter 5 verse 11 god has given to us eternal life and this life is in his son um, jesus christ we must become plenty-minded and not poverty-minded god is a god of plenty okay so god is there to help us because he has given us eternal life and this life is in his son jesus christ so beloved we have seen uh, those that the bible has highlighted whose destiny is nothing but hell these are the people that are fearful the people that are unbelieving the people that are abominable the people that have neglected god in their lives but this should not be your story you don't need to spend eternity in hell you don't need to spend eternity with satan when god has given you an invitation today you can make a choice to accept jesus christ as your lord and savior and the moment you do that the bible tells us that your names will be written in the lamb's book of life the bible tells us further that god is going to recreate your spirit god is going to make you a new person a new creature the old things will pass away and behold all things will become new so as i wind up my sharing today i just want you to um, uh, take this opportunity and you know, take advantage of this time the bible says as long as it is caught today do not hesitate to give your life to jesus christ so if you are out there you have been listening to this broadcast today and you want to give your life to Jesus, please don't hesitate. You can get in touch with me personally on 0977 40 49 16. 0977 40 49 0977 40 49 And if you're desperate, you want to give your life to Jesus right now, please pray after me. Wherever you are, you can be in the car, you can be in your hotel room, you can be you know, in your living room, in your house, wherever you are. I want you to pray this prayer. And if you pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart, Jesus will not hesitate to change your life. He will not hesitate to transform your life. He will not hesitate uh, to give you a new identity, to wipe out all your sins, and to give you a new nature. So let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for this wonderful opportunity that you have given to me, you know, to give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I desire to live not according to my own will. I desire to live according to your will. Today I pray that you forgive me of all my sins. Lord Jesus, give me a new nature. Forgive me of my sins. Wipe out my old, old man. You know, give me a new man so that I can live in the newness of life. From today onwards, I make a pledge to live for you in the mighty name of Jesus. Give me a new life, Lord Jesus, so that today, from today onwards, my names can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It is in the name of Jesus that I've prayed with thanks giving in our hearts. Amen and amen. So, dear listeners, uh, this has been Brother Philemon on Lubuto Radio Show on Falls FM. Thank you for joining us. Um, and, and we're looking forward to, to, uh, to, 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 
broadcasting you know uh, this particular broadcast uh, next time you join us and um, until then we pray that god uh, will continue to minister to you god will continue to bless you uh, god will continue to just give you more and more uh, of his insight into the truth of god's word in Jesus' name, uh, we, we wind up our program. Uh, amen and amen. Good day, our listeners. Thank you for joining us uh, on Force FM. This is Luwoto Radio Show. And to take you through our program today, this is your brother and friend, Philemon Daka. And we are going to look at uh, a very crucial topic today. And the topic is, who is who in hell? Who is who? in hell every human being on the earth will have to face eternity one day when a person dies he's not dead like a dog or like some kind of animal no when a person dies he faces eternity the righteous enter into life eternal uh, matthew 25 verse 46 tells us so and the unrighteous are cast into hell or the lake of fire according to revelations Revelations chapter 20 verse 15. The lake of fire is the final dwelling place for the unrighteous, for those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelations 20, 20 verse 15 tells us so. We should thank God for the revelation, for the revelation His Word gives us concerning heaven, because those of us who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and have been born again, are going there one day. We are heaven-bound if we are in Christ. The revelation concerning heaven is good news, but we should also thank God for the revelation His Word gives us concerning hell. Those who do not know Jesus are not heaven-bound, and we as Christians need to reach these people with the gospel and let them know there is heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Because when people who are unsaved die and leave this world, they go to hell. The Bible gives us some detail about hell in the Gospel of Mark. So we are going to read Mark chapter 9 verse 43 to verse 44. It reads as follows. And if, they, and if they, thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that n that never shall be quenched where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched we see here that hell is a place of unquenchable fire notice that verse 43 says if thy hand offend thee cut it off we know of course this this verse is not talking about cutting off your natural hand it simply means there are some things in life that a person needs to cut off or give up for instance, it would be better for a person to accept Jesus Christ and give up his life of sin and go to heaven than it would be for him to reject Jesus, hold on to his sin and go to hell, where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. We also know that hell is a place of everlasting punishment. Matthew 25 verse 46 tells us this, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment by the righteous into life eternal. In many Bible places in the in, in many places in the Bible we can read about what hell is like, but the Bible also gives us some detail about the kinds of people who go there. 
In Psalm chapter 9 verse 17, the Bible reads, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Notice this verse, this verse says, The wicked shall be turned into hell. Most people would agree that there ought to be an eternal dwelling place for those who are wicked and, and mean. And there is, I'm sorry to say that, there have been many wicked and mean people who have lived on this earth, whose eternal dwelling place is hell. The Bible says the wicked or the unredeemed go to hell. Psalm 9 verse 17. You see, unless a person is born again, whether he acts wickedly on this earth or not, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 verse 3 tells us that. So we know from the Bible that the wicked go to, to hell. But the rest of Psalm 9 verse 17 says, And all the nations that forget God. You see, you don't have to be wicked to miss heaven and go to hell. All you have to do is fail to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and forget him. All you have to do is to leave God out of your life. Just leave God out and neglect to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And you'll go to hell just as quickly as the worst wretch that ever walked the streets of your, of your city. On the other hand, by accepting Jesus Christ, even the worst sinner can be born again and miss hell and make heaven his home. There is a book which lists people in the English-speaking world who have achieved a certain degree of prominency in the arts and science, in business, and in the professions. Sometimes it's interesting to know who is who in this life. But the Bible also gives us a who is who in hell, so to speak. For instance, it lists some of the unredeemed who will spend eternity in hell. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 8, the Bible says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and warmongers and sorcerers, idolaters and, li and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. This scripture gives us a list of the kinds of unsaved people who will go to hell. We know that those who practice sin do not know the Lord. 1 John chapter 3, verse 6 to 8. And the Bible says, Without knowing Jesus Christ as, sa as Savior and Lord, no man can see God. John chapter 3, verse 3, and also John chapter 14, verse 6 tells us that. But a person needs, need never go to hell if he will just do what the Bible says and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Bible says those who accept Jesus Christ go to heaven or into life eternal. But those who do not accept Jesus Christ will go into eternal torments and punishment. Matthew 25 verse 46 and Luke 16 verse 23 tells us that. So we can learn from the Bible about some of the kinds of people who go to hell. In Luke chapter 16 verses 19 to 23, the Bible says, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate, full of sores and desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels 
into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he, the rich man, lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. The rich man in this passage of scripture didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he was not rich towards God. He left God out of his life and didn't acknowledge him as the author of eternal life. We read in Luke chapter 16 verse 19 to 21 that the rich man was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. While the beggar Lazarus was laid at his gate full of souls, desiring to be fed with crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. The Bible says Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom um, paradise where he was comforted. But the rich man went to hell where the Bible says he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. So we know from the Bible that there are those people like this rich man who are tormented in hell today because they did not acknowledge God in their lives. They did not acknowledge God in their lives. Then there is another kind of person who the Bible says will spend eternity in hell. We shall see that in Matthew 25 from verse 1 to, to 13. The Bible says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lambs and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lambs. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lambs are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Many people have read this parable and have tried to build a doctrine out of it. But you can't build a doctrine on a parable. Usually in a parable, there's one many truth the Lord is trying to get over to us. In this passage, is found in verse 10. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. The main truth the Lord wants us to get out of this, these verses is to be ready for heaven as our eternal destination, as our eternal dwelling place. This passage of scripture is simply talking about being ready. Ready for what? Ready to meet the master. In this passage, there were ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. The five foolish virgins weren't bad people. No, they were virgins. They were clean and wholesome. But they, but they just weren't ready not to meet the bridegroom. And the Bible says, He, the bridegroom, answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. We know that there are people in hell today who are good people. 
but who just weren't ready to meet the master. They never accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord. Then there are people in hell, like the rich man in Luke chapter 16, who behaved wickedly and left God out of their lives. The Bible also says the fool will be cast into hell. In Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 20, the Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will put down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my my goods, and I will say to my soul, So thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But, the, but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be, which thou hast provided? There ain't too many people in the Bible that God called a fool. But you remember in the Old Testament, God says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. That is in Psalm 14 verse 1. God calls the man who says there is no God a fool. And God called the farmer in this parable a fool. So this farmer's ground brought forth much fruit. So much fruit that he didn't have any more space to store all of his goods. This foolish farmer said, this will I do. I will put down my barns and build greater. And there will, and there will I bestow all my fruits and goods according to Luke chapter 12, verse 18. So he built even greater bands. Then this foolish farmer said to himself, So thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry, according to Luke chapter 12, verse 19. That's the attitude of many in the world today. Folks are laying up treasures for themselves upon the earth. And in effect, they are saying, Eat, drink, and be merry. Just enjoy the pleasures of life today and don't think about tomorrow. People like that take no thought whatsoever about eternal things. But God said to this farmer, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Okay, so there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. When I was raised off, you know, when, you know, Kenneth Hagin, one of the great um, preachers, was raised off from uh, this, the sickbed. You know, he used to preach in the schoolyard and on the street corners, in the marketplace. You know, he would tell people, even if I, he, he didn't have a Bible, he would know there is such a place as hell. And he, and, and he had been there, actually, you know, and, uh, and he would tell the story to, to so many people. And, 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 and why it happened just over at, you know, um, at, at 405 North College Street, he would tell folks it was a Saturday night, you know, just as his grandpa's, you know, clock struck at 7.30, uh, his heart stopped beating, you know. He, he actually went to, to hell when, 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 he, when he collapsed, you know. And um, he, had, he had this experience. Uh, say, say on several occasions, 
where his, his life was almost gone and he experienced he experienced hell but god saved him because he cried out to god he reached out to god so it's, it's very important for everybody uh, who is living to 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 look to god for everybody who is living to remember god in their lives because if we don't remember god in our lives there's something scary that awaits us there's something scary that awaits everybody who has not accepted jesus christ as lord and savior of of, of their lives friends there's there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shine you may not be aware of hell today but when you die you will spend eternity in either heaven or hell and if you don't know jesus christ as your personal savior you will go to hell and spend eternity there in that place of torments and punishment but god doesn't want anyone to spend eternity in hell that's why he sent his son jesus christ you know into the world to die on the cross and be raised to life again for our redemption so jesus paid the price with his own blood so that we could be reconciled to god and it's god's will that every man woman boy and girl accept jesus christ as lord and savior and be saved you know first timothy uh, chapter 2 uh, verse 4 maybe we can uh, uh, read that particular uh, scripture so that we uh, just put uh, things into context so we are going to turn our bibles to first um, timothy first timothy chapter 2 uh, verse 4 very very important uh, uh, portion of, of of scripture and we are going to uh go through it together uh, in verse 4 i'll read from um, the amplified version uh the bible says who wishes all men in fact for for, for the sake of context I'll, I'll start reading from verse 3 for such praying is good and is pleasing and acceptable to god our savior who wishes all men to be saved and increasing to perceive and recognize and discern and know precisely and correctly the divine truth so we see here um, um, paul is telling us that uh, the desire that god has over humanity over our lives is that humanity may increase in the knowledge of god that humanity may be saved that humanity may you know have the correct uh, knowledge of the truth that's what god desires of you and me he wants us he desires all people to be saved and to come to the serving knowledge of the truth. Okay, God desires, God's will is that all men must and must come unto the knowledge of truth. He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And this, this particular broadcast is intended to achieve this purpose. Why are we broadcasting this um, uh, 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 message today it's because we are we we are partnering with god and what is god's desire god's desire is that all men must come to the saving knowledge of christ that's what god desires and we have seen in first timothy chapter 2 verse 4 uh, that it's very clear god doesn't want anybody you know to get get lost god doesn't want anybody you know to uh, go to destruction to go to hell you know so we need to respond in faith we need to respond in faith 
to the call of God. We need to respond uh, to the call of God. Okay, so we are here now imploring, imploring you to come to the saving knowledge to help us. Christ is there, you know, to save us. The, the Bible says, whoever comes to him, they shall by no means, you know, be cast away. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So believers, Christians, children of God, I want to talk about you for a little while. I want you to notice in God's word some facts about somebody who has given their lives to Jesus. The Bible says, they are a new creation. The old stuff has passed away. Everything has become new. So everybody who is in Christ, number one, they are a child of God. They are a child of God. They don't need to go to hell. We have already seen the category of people that are going to, to go to hell. You know, the Bible has been very, very categorical. It has been very, very plain in, in describing the kinds of people that will not make it you know, to, to, to heaven. That will not make it to the presence of God. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 8, the Bible has been very, very categorical. It says the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the warmongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So God doesn't want us to go that route. He doesn't want us to be in hell. He doesn't want to, us to share, you know, in the destiny of Satan. He wants us to share uh, uh, in the destiny of Christ. Jesus says he desires that where he is, we can be also. That's the desire of Jesus Christ. He wants us to be where, um, where, where he is. So for, for, for every child of God, for every child of God, for somebody who has believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, their story is different. The Bible says that um, they, we, are we are children of God. For us who have accepted Jesus Christ, we are children of God. We are not partakers of hell. We are partakers of everlasting life. Okay? So, um, uh, in, uh, in, in, in John chapter 8, verse 44, the Bible says, Ye are of your father the devil. So, those who do not believe in Jesus Christ, they do not belong to Christ. They belong to the devil, okay? They belong to the devil. But we who have believed in Jesus Christ, we are children of God. It is true that God is the creator of all mankind, but he is only the father of those who have been born again. So God is only the father of those who have been born again. I'm so glad I'm a new creature. I was only, you know, it was only about, I was only about, Anyway, by then I was in grade seven when I bumped into 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 a Bible, you know, in my father's house. And when I got hold of it, I read it from cover to cover, and I was so excited at the truth that I gleaned from the Bible. And from that time on, I committed, you know, to obeying the truth of God's word. I dedicated my life to Jesus Christ, and my life has never been the same again. So Jesus is ready. You know to change your life jesus is ready to today to help you you know become a partaker of this new life because he wants you to experience you know 
the newness of life. He wants you to experience the newness of life. So Paul calls man's spirit the inward man. Okay, and he calls the body the outward man. Though our outward man perisheth, uh, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Second Corinthians chapter four verse sixteen. In First Peter chapter three verse four, Peter calls this inner man, you know, the hidden man of the heart, man's spirit is hidden to the physical eye. No person can see the real you. No one even knows what the the, the real you looks like. People may think they see you, but they are only looking at the house you live in, your body, the outward man. They don't really see you. The real you, your inner man, is on the inside, looking out through the windows of your eyes. As well as you may know someone, you have never seen the real person inside. You only see the house he lives in. When that house in which he lives is decayed, the real man will still live on. His spirit man will never die. Jesus said about Lazarus, the beggar. Lazarus, the beggar died, and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Uh, the story that we read in Luke chapter 16, verse 22. It is this inward man who has become a new creature in Christ. He has come into the family of God. When a person trusts in Christ Jesus, they become a new creation. And what is recreated is this new man that is being that we are descri describing here. He becomes a child of God. He is in perfect union with the master. Okay, so when you give your life to Jesus, God recreates the inner you. You know, the hidden man of the heart is recreated after the nature of God. And at that moment, you cease to be a child of the enemy. You cease to be... A, at loggerheads with God, at that moment you become a child of the living God. Okay, so it is good to know uh, that you are, when you give your life to Jesus, you are one with God. You are one with God. The believer and Jesus are one. God's word declares, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17. Okay. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. In John chapter 15 verse 5, as you look at a tree, you don't think of the branches as being separate from the rest of the tree. When you look at the tree and its branches, you see them as one, a single entity. In the same way, we are one with Christ. Our spirits are joined to him. Jesus is the head, and we are his body. Okay, so we are. The Bible says when you give your life to Jesus, we are united with Jesus. We become one, one with him. And Jesus himself told us in John 15 verse 5, that he is the vine. And, you know, us who have believed in him are the branches. So we are part and parcel of his being. Okay, we are part and parcel of his being, you know. In, just just like the branches are part and parcel of the of the, of the vine, you know, just like you know the roots are part and parcel of the vine. Okay, the same applies to us. Once we believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are joined to Him. Jesus is the head, and we are His body. Jesus is the head, and we are His body. Okay, and you know 
the Bible says that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, all things become possible. Okay? All things become possible. In Matthew 19 verse 26 and Mark chapter 10 verse 27, the Bible says with God all things are possible. With God all things are possible. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, all things become possible with you because you're believing in a God of possibilities. So everyone would readily agree that God can do all things. However, the same Bible that says all things are possible with God also says all things are possible to him that believeth. Mark 9 verse 23. The Bible says all things are possible to him that believeth. Okay? And the Bible says all things are possible with God. Okay, so God gives you the ability to do exploits, you know, here on earth. He gives you the ability to do great things, okay? So, we have to realize that uh, there are benefits that are there, that are accrued to us when we believe in Jesus Christ. We are able to enjoy heaven, you know. We have a heaven to gain, and we have got a hell to shun, okay? We have a heaven to, to gain. And we have got a hell to shine. So all things are possible to him that believes. All things are possible to him that believes. It helps us, you know, sometimes as we drive down the road to say that, that, that aloud to ourselves, you know, so that it sinks into our systems. You know, it helps us, you know, if it helps me in particular, you know, when I'm facing a seemingly impossible situation to say aloud to myself, all things are possible to him that believe and i believe okay so we have to recite this word to ourselves especially to us who has received jesus christ we have a heaven to gain and we have a hell to shun and we have got a victorious life to live here on earth and we have to take note also that the greater one lives in us now the greater one lives in us now as much as we are going to spend eternity with God in the life to come, the Bible says even as we live this life here on earth, God himself has promised to be with us. God himself has promised his presence to be with us. Okay, In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Okay? First John chapter 4 verse 4. Ye are of God little children and have overcome and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So this verse is true concerning you. You may not be taking advantage of it, but it is true concerning those that have believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You can live a victorious life because God is in you. You know, God is is, 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 is helping you live a victorious life. Notice the phrase, ye are of God. That is another way of saying you are born of God. John is saying the same thing Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. John is telling us that we are born of God, that our spirits have been recreated or born again. It's sad to say, but many believers really do not know they have been born, born of God in the new birth and have received eternal life. They think eternal life is something they are going to have when they get to heaven. 
Many believers simply think they have received forgiveness of sins. They have only been taught that their sins have been forgiven and that they must be very careful in their Christian walk in order to remain justified before God. They have never been taught that the nature of God resides in their spirits. No one ever taught them that they are actually new creations in Christ. And because of their ignorance on this subject, sin and Satan continue to reign over them. But when believers understand that the man on the inside, the real man, has been born again and is a new creation in Christ Jesus, they can begin to live according to the power of the Great One who lives in them. Then they can begin to rule over sin and Satan in their lives instead of the devil ruling over them. Because of Jesus' mighty triumph over Satan at the cross, we too can live in triumph over the devil. Thank God, greater is he that is in us than Satan, the God of this world. The greater one is greater than the demons and evil spirits. He is greater than sickness and greater than disease, and he lives in me. He lives in you. He that is in us is greater than any force we may come against. When John wrote about the greater one living inside us, he was writing to born again, spirit-filled believers. I maintain that all born again, spirit-filled believers have within them, ready for use, all the power and ability they will ever need to put them over. We are thoroughly prepared for any emergence that may come because the greater one is in us. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is in us. Jesus, who rose again from the dead when he died, he conquered death, conquered the cross. The great I am lives in us. What is, what an amazing story that is. You know, what, what good news that is to us. In Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says, For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So how many of us are conscious of the fact that God is dwelling in us? It sounds far-fetched, but what does this scripture mean if it doesn't mean what it says? Our natural minds may have a hard time grasping it, but the truth is the Bible emphatically declares that believers are the temple of the living God. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Notice 1 John 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he that is in you. No, greater is he that is in you. He, the Holy Spirit, is a divine personality, not just an influence or an impersonal being. Jesus says, said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he, the Holy Spirit, may abide with you forever. Okay? According to John chapter 14, verse 16, And God the Father, in the person and power of the Holy Ghost, indwells us. He lives in us. It is time for the church to become God-insight-minded. For too long, the church has been weakness-minded, sickness-minded, inferiority-minded, trouble-minded, and poverty-minded. Do you realize what we have done? Often we have been so negative-minded that um, so negative-minded that that is all we have minded. 
For too long, the negative side of life is all many of us have thought about and talked about. This negative thinking has created a very serious condition of doubt and belief and spiritual failure in the church and in the believer. The church has operated more or less on psychology of unbelief, which has robbed believers of vibrant Christian faith and living. It has robbed us of the abundant life Jesus intended us to have. Jesus said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John 10 verse 10. So when we really understand that life, that the life giver embraces us, that Jesus, the author of all life, condescended to come down and live in us, in the person and in the power of the Holy Ghost, then our very being would reject God's life. So we must become life-minded, not death-minded. The Bible says God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. This life is in his Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, um, Jesus Christ. We must become plenty-minded and not poverty-minded. God is a God of plenty. Okay, so God is there to help us because he has given us eternal life and this life is in his son, Jesus Christ. So, beloved, we have seen uh, those that the Bible has highlighted whose destiny is nothing but hell. These are the people that are fearful, the people that are unbelieving, the people that are abominable, the people that have neglected God in their lives. But this should not be your story. You don't need to spend eternity in hell. You don't need to spend eternity with Satan when God has given you an invitation. Today you can make a choice to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the moment you do that, the Bible tells us that your names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Bible tells us further that God is going to recreate your spirit. God is going to make you a new person, a new creature. The old things will pass away, and behold, all things will become new. So as I wind up my sharing today, I just want you to um, uh, take this opportunity and you know, take advantage of this time. The Bible says, as long as it is caught today, do not hesitate to give your life to Jesus Christ. So if you are out there, you, are you have been listening to this broadcast today, and you want to give your life to Jesus, please don't hesitate. You can get in touch with me personally on 0977-404916. And if you're desperate, you want to give your life to Jesus right now, please pray after me. Wherever you are, you can be in the car, you can be in your hotel room, you can be you know, in your living room, in your house, wherever you are. I want you to pray this prayer. And if you pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart, Jesus will not hesitate to change your life. He will not hesitate to transform your life. He will not hesitate uh, to give you a new identity, to wipe out all your sins, and to give you a new nature. So let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, 
I thank you for this wonderful opportunity that you've given to me, you know, to give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I desire to live not according to my own will. I desire to live according to your will. Today I pray that you forgive me of all my sins. Lord Jesus, give me a new nature. Forgive me of my sins. Wipe out my old, old man. You know, give me a new man so that I can live in the newness of life. From today onwards, I make a pledge to live for you in the mighty name of Jesus. Give me a new life, Lord Jesus, so that today, from today onwards, my names can be written in the Lamb's book of life. It is in the name of Jesus that I've prayed with thanks giving in, in, in our hearts. Amen and amen. So, dear listeners, uh, this has been Brother Philemon on Luwuto Radio Show on Falls FM. Thank you for joining us. Um, and, and we're looking forward to, to, uh, to, to, to broadcasting you know, uh, this particular broadcast uh, next time you join us. And um, until then, we pray that God uh, will continue to minister to you. God will continue to bless you. Uh, God will continue to just give you more and more uh, of his insight into the truth of God's word. In Jesus' name, uh, we, we wind up our program. Uh, amen and amen. <laughs>